Hello women's hockey fans! This is another installment of the special series, the original eight as part of the Founding Four podcast. The Founding Four podcast is an independent women's hockey podcast hosted by me, Erica L. Ayala. This week in the final installment, part eight of eight, we have the captain from the Metropolitan Riveters, Madison Packer. We recorded this the day her re-signing was announced. She is back for season six. She was the first of the original eight to re-sign. We have since had Shannon Doyle and Elena Orlando, as well as Kaylee Fratkin, announce their their re-signing to their respective teams. Uh, But Packer was the first, so we talk about that. We talk about her and Anya expecting a little baby boy Packer and about some of the growth and development that Packer, Madison Packer, has um, experienced through her NWHL hockey career in particular. Um, Of course I ask about the the wedding dance video so you'll have to wait till the end of the episode for that. This has been a great series. I've really enjoyed doing the original eight and kind of having a, a serial approach to getting into the, the founding members of the league and, and learning their perspectives. Uh, so thank you to Kira Dostalarina, Corrine Bowie, Shannon Doyle, Elena Orlando, Jillian Dempsey, Jordan Brickner, Kaylee Fratkin, and Madison Packer. This is the interview again with Captain for the Metropolitan Riveters, Madison Packer. And uh, just so happens that you you re-signed today, so I guess we'll start there. Um, you know, officially the NWHL season is not done. We still have hopefully the Isabel Cup final, but we've seen a few uh, names here and there re-sign. Um, was there ever a doubt that you were coming back for season six? Um, I don't think really a doubt. There was. Um, I had a little bit of concern about some lingering injuries towards the end of the season. Um, but I don't think it would have impacted, you know, my decision to come back. It just maybe would have impacted the timeline, but, um, everything looked good. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, a couple of years ago when I made the decision to stop and then I had hip surgery and I felt good, um, that kind of gave me a second life. And, um, I had a lot of fun last year. I had more fun playing hockey last year than I've had in a long time. So my hope is that a lot of those 
people come back and we have a similar team. Um, and, as, you know, as long as it's fun and, and I stay relevant, I'll keep playing. As long as Madison Packer stays relevant. I don't know. if I think we, we could have you playing for a while in the end of, if that's the case. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, so I've been asking all of the, uh, the original eight, the five-timers, as I like to say, a, a series of similar questions. So we'll walk through those. First thing is just when you hear that there's eight players that have been with the league since the beginning, and you being one of those players, not only that's been there since the beginning, but has also been with the same franchise, what are some of the first things that pop into your head? Um, I think it's special. I mean, I don't um... – there's not many other opportunities aside from once you get to the professional level, I guess, where, you know, you get to do that. Um, you've seen a, a couple people that, like you said, have bounced around. Um, so to be able to play for the same team over a long period of time has been something that's pretty special. Just about everything with the Riveters has changed since I first got there. Um, but it's been fun to see uh, the changes that are made and the growth, whether it's coaching or management or the league. Um, just see the different changes that have occurred over time and, and also witness some of the things that have stayed the same. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you've been with the Riveters and you had a lot of consistency as far as head coaching for the first three seasons, mm -hmm. but there was definitely a lot of roster overhaul in that period of time. You also had some changes at the, at the GM level. Um, in that time. Um, for you, uh, when you think of the first three years, I suppose, leading up to the 2018 Isabel Cup, I mean, what are some of the challenges that you feel the franchise faced in, in that period of time? And, and how were you, as one of the leaders, um, able to help the team kind of find their, their north in the middle of all of that? Um, I think the biggest and probably the most obvious one is uh, getting players, right? I mean, we it's one of the more expensive markets as far as being right outside Manhattan. Uh, it's not a cheap place to live. So getting people to, you know, trying to find people that were already there or getting people to move there um, without much, you know, guarantee on if they'd be able to have a second source of income or if, you know, their income from the league was going to be enough to cover their their expenses in the, in the time that they were going to be there. Um, so I think that First and foremost, it was it was always tough to figure out how to build a strong team based on the players that we were able to recruit, um, and yeah, I think that was honestly really it. In the first couple of years, was just player personnel. Yeah, and we uh, overcame again, that, but. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, you had that consistency in coaching that, you know, some would argue made that a little bit easier than some other franchises. I mean, mm -hmm. I spoke to Bray, um, we released that, that interview and, and Connecticut certainly has not had much consistency, um, certainly in those, those first three seasons. Um, but also thinking about now all five years, I mean, you mentioned that this past season was uh, some of the most fun that you've had playing hockey. But when you think of all five years, I mean, what are some of the moments, uh, you know, whether it's a particular game or a particular road trip that stand out to you? Um, I think one of the biggest maybe was that um, last year, the shootout goal that I scored on Shannon Zabados. Um, that was pretty epic. <laughs> That's kind of a selfish one, but that was for me individually. Um, I mean, she's one of the best goalies in the world. And so to score a goal like that in a game where our team kind of needed to pick me up um, was 
something that I'll definitely remember. Um, winning the Isabel Cup obviously is a big one, uh, and I got to do that with Courtney and Jenny uh, and Russo, who are some, you know, I don't play with them any longer, but they're still three of you know, my best friends in the world. So um, that's up there. Um, and just, I guess, overall, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't, I can look back. I don't think I've, you know, I've played with a single person who I, I didn't enjoy my time with. Um, for whatever reason, we always seem to attract, you know, good players, but also good people to the organization. Um, and so I've, you know, got to meet a lot of people that I wouldn't have otherwise crossed paths with and um, made a lot of good friends and just had a lot of good memories and, and moments with a lot of people that I'm grateful to have gotten to spend time with. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you have seen that roster, as we talked about, just really grow and evolve in a lot of different ways. I do want to go back to um, maybe not just specifically that goal, although it was a very, very <laughs> nice goal, um, but just kind of that season. You talked about coming back from injury. You and I had a, had a pretty um, long conversation when you had retired. Obviously, you've come out of retirement, but um, you know, at least at that point in time, your return to hockey and return to the Riveters obviously was not guaranteed, and you had to come back from from uh, that hip surgery. Um, you know, from a mental perspective, uh, you know, what were some of the more difficult things in coming back from that injury, and um, you know, who were some of the people um, that that helped you overcome so that you could have that type of a moment? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there were so many things going on for me at that time away from hockey. Um, and I chose to retire because I knew I had to have hip surgery and I was kind of ready to move on just in life. Um, but then I had surgery, I felt better, and a lot of things away from the rink changed my circumstance. Um, and so coming back, I didn't really have, I mean, I, I chose to come back to the Riveters and I took a coaching job and really my whole life then became hockey for um, the first time in a while. Previously, I was working a different job and was only able to focus so much energy and attention on, on the hockey aspect of things. Um, and so everything kind of came together all at once and I needed that because it, it was, um, I had a really good team. You know, Dr. Lomas did a great job. I had a good physical therapy team um, and my teammates were really supportive and um, you know, as far as leaning on people, I think Anya was a huge um, backbone for me and, and really pushed me. My, my you know, my parents, um, when I first had surgery, I went and lived with them and they did a lot to get me up every morning and get me doing the exercises I needed to do. So, um, but really my, when it came down to it, my teammates, you know, being willing to, to do extra drills with me and skate with me after practice, because I couldn't always do the stuff that they were doing to get back going. Um, and you know, it's hard when you're trying to, to rehab by yourself. So all those people along the way who, you know, pick you up and carry you and you can't necessarily walk yourself, um, you know, they're the reason that I was able to get back as quickly as I did. And I am especially grateful to them for that. Uh, I know that Rivs fans are very excited <laughs> that you made your way back and certainly are celebrating today as uh, you had a very, very adorable video uh, <laughs> announcing your return. Um, you did, though, put out a, a little challenge to yourself there and, and maybe put uh, Dempsey uh, on notice. So Jillian Dempsey, of course, one of the OGs as well. We, we had her on the original 8 series, but uh, sounds like you're coming for her uh, for her goals <laughs> title there. Yeah, that was just being funny, but uh, I don't know. We'll have, to, 
Dempsey will have to have a line change or play on one leg for me to catch her maybe, but um, <laughs> just have a little fun with it. Oh, always good times. And, you know, but that leads me to another conversation we like to have with uh, the original eight. Uh, you've been able to play with a, a good number of the players that have played all five seasons, obviously, Kira Dostal, Arena, and you've played with uh, Elena Orlando in that first season as well. You've played with Kaylee Fratkin. Um, but when you think of Dempsey, when you think of Doyle, Brickner, and then Kareen Bowie, um, you know, what are what are some of the things that you notice about their game and maybe some of the things that as an opponent you're not, not so eager to face when you hit the ice against them? <laughs> yeah, well, I've um, played with Bowie a couple times uh, in All-Star games, and then I've played with, I played with Jordan in college, obviously. I played with Dempsey. Right. Um, we were at a couple USA camps together, and then we actually played U18 together, I think, for just for one year. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Dempsey is just, when you think of, you know, I guess, what, like, the mentality of just, like, all in, and you cut her arm off and hockey pucks probably spill out. Like, she's just... <laughs> She she just works hard every time she's on the ice, and um, it, she's tough to play against. She can't really, she doesn't really engage in the 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 banter and the chippiness, and so there's not really a way to kind of throw her off her game. Um, she just shows up and does her job and puts her head down. Um, she can score goals, so she's obviously super dangerous in in that regard. Uh, and Jordan and, and Doyle both are um, work hard defensemen on the blue line with, you know, they both have the ability to score and make plays, um, but they're just two solid D that have really anchored the Connecticut whale for quite a few years, uh, obviously since the beginning. Uh, and Bowie, same thing up in Buffalo. Um, she can score goals. She's big. She's dangerous. Um, you know, all four of those players will be, um, might go down as some of the best players to uh, play, especially in the first couple of years of the league. So a lot of respect for them. Yeah, absolutely. All pioneers in your own respect. Um, and, you know, again, you are the first of, of the eight, at least to um, to be announced as returning for season six. But one of the things I've been asking everyone is when you think of the next five years, so we've got one inked for you already, but uh, when you think of the next five years of the NWHL, what are some of the hopes that you have for the Riveters franchise, which has been your home for the last five seasons and for the league overall? Yeah, I mean, I think the first two that come to mind for the league overall is is you hope that the league can grow and, and add teams over time and also add to, you know, grow and expand the salary cap over time. Um, those are two big steps, right? And and underneath them, there's a lot of little things. Hopefully, we procure more sponsors and get more eyes on the game, get, you know, a bigger ability to broadcast, whether it's on Twitch, on a you know, or they are able to get some kind of, network to step in um, and just really boost us out. I mean, that's where the money is, is getting sponsorships and partners. Um, and then you need dollars to make, to enact change for things to grow. Um, so that would be my big hope for the league overall. Um, and the ribs, I think more of what we did last year, you know, two seasons ago, um, there was a lot that went wrong for a lot of reasons. Um, and we, you know, we had a lot of rebuilding to do um, last year. After the first practice, um, I thought that our fate would have was very different than how the the league, or I'm sorry, the, the season panned out. So, 
Uh, I think just more of the same of what we did last year. We, you know, we definitely weren't satisfied with where we finished in the standings. Uh, and I think it took us a little longer than we would have hoped, but quicker than expected to come alive. Um, so I think just keep building under Evo. He's a great coach. Uh, Kate's a great general manager. And, you know, if those two could stick around for another five years, I think that the, the franchise would be in good hands. So maybe not any change there, but just continue building and, and um, player personnel and, and things like that. Yeah. And um, another part of that question that I like to ask everyone is, where do you see yourself in that five-year picture, uh, whether it's with the Riveters or the league overall? Um, I think a big part of that is, you know, where where I see myself in life, I guess, with my family. Um, in five years, I'll have a four-year-old. <laughs> so um, we'll see. I mean, I think that, you know, my wife has been incredibly um, supportive. Obviously, she has her own role with the league, um, but she's been supportive of me continuing to to play and live out my dream and my career um and I don't I think that as long as I'm healthy I, I'll continue to play um you know five years from now I'm 33 I like to think that I could still keep up um but who knows a lot changes if I'm not playing I, I um wouldn't rule out you know me having some other role uh whether it's with the league or with riveters in a coaching um capacity I guess I'm, I'm hopeful for, but uh, that's only if they want me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know, Packer, we, there might be a revolt if, if you wanted to come back and, and uh, someone didn't take you. So <laughs> just uh, keep Rivspans on notice for that one. But uh, <laughs> jokes aside, I mean, you mentioned that you and Anya are expecting, obviously this will be your, your first child together. Um, I mean, wow, that just, that's that's a pretty big life moment. I mean, how how are you and Anya um, taking in all the news? We're excited. Um, I mean, obviously it was intentional. <laughs> yes. Um, so we're excited. Uh, it's crazy everything that's going on right now. Um, yeah. Puts things into perspective pretty quickly. So uh, I think we're excited to grow our family, and um, we've gotten to experience a lot of pretty cool, unique moments together. Um, and so anytime. You can add another, you know, member to the mix. Um, it's exciting and makes it a little more memorable. Um, but I think right now we're just kind of caught in the excitement mode, um, and it'll all become very real very quickly. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully, we've got a little hockey player on our hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I I was joking with Anya about this, just uh, you know, in a, in a casual conversation. Mm -hmm. But I mean. You know, how committed are you to, to having, uh, you know, your baby boy definitely be a hockey player or would you settle for an athlete overall? What would your thoughts be if there's if the athletic genes don't pass on? Like, have you thought about that kind of stuff? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think anyone says that, that, that anyone who says that they don't care is maybe lying to themselves a little bit. Um, obviously, we're hopeful that he wants to play hockey. If he doesn't, we'll get over it. If he doesn't want to play sports. We'll get over it. Um, I think we just want him to be happy and healthy first. Um, but it's tough, I think, not to. I mean, I had uh, an older brother that played hockey, and, and uh, that's why I wanted to play hockey. So I, I feel like when it's kind of in the blood and, and you grow up around it, it just becomes something that you want to do naturally. Um, 
And so there's that hope, but if it doesn't happen, um, we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I also joked with Anya, there'll be plenty of, uh, you know, extended family and, and hockey aunts around. So, uh, yeah. you know, some, something's got to stick, I'm sure. Yeah, if he doesn't want to play, <laughs> we'll throw him in net and he can be my goalie. There you go. There you go. No, either way. Everyone has to go through their growing pains and, and yeah. suffer along. Everyone's got those things. But, um, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, hockey obviously being a big part of your life, uh, even growing up, um, obviously now as a, as a hockey family. You've got the, the PA director and uh, captain of the Riveters. But there are also other elements to you. There's two things, Packer, that from season one, like, really stood out to me <laughs> about you. Um, one was that you have a love for guacamole. I don't know if you remember this conversation. But my sister and I were waiting to meet the, the Riveters after a game in, in the in the you know the, the autograph line, mm-hmm. and she must have said something about like she like spilled guac or something on her shirt, and you just like lit up. You were like, "Whoa, where's the guac?" Like, <laughs> and I was like, "Who brought told guac? this whole story?" Yeah, who brought guac and told this whole story? I guess you used to live over like a Mexican restaurant or something. Yeah, Do you Kidova. remember that? I used to live on top of Kidova. <laughs> Uh, so uh you still still in heavy into the guac these days oh yeah i might i think i'm having guac tonight no joke (laughs) amazing yeah got some ripe avocados here might have to whip some up myself but uh the other thing is that in that first season the league put out these pretty um pretty cool cards and you were one of the players for the riveters and they'd have like these fun facts and one of them was that you journal every day do you still journal every day I do not still journal every day. Um, I am getting back into it with my gig, uh, you know, writing uh, for the hockey wilderness, but uh, I don't do it as much as I'd like to. Um, and I definitely miss it. I, I notice a difference when I do write and when I don't. Um, I used to be good about it, and I, I'm getting back to being better about it. Yeah, I see that you've, you've but joined the the media core very cool so gotta make sure you check out your work there but um yeah i think writing is is definitely something one that maybe we got to look out for this little packer see if that if that uh resonates it's either writing or speaking um you know i think that i i just found that interesting because uh you know there's so many different ways to kind of process what we go through the good the bad and different and and writing has always been one of those those ways for me and it sounds like that's that's kind of something that that's been important to you as well yeah yeah I mean I I first got into it in high school kind of I think I've, I think you and I have had this conversation maybe yeah. offline before but um I got into it just kind of as a therapeutic thing when I a friend of mine passed away um and I realized I really enjoyed it and um you know I could it could be used for other things than just writing in a journal that goes under my bed every night so I made was a creative writing major in college um, and it's particularly helpful like I'm not always great at verbalizing how I'm feeling or or what's going on so the writing thing has been good for me and I thoroughly enjoy it so yeah that's that's really cool and yeah we have had that conversation before of course um, especially given that you have um, really made a point to honor one of your friends who 
recently passed Kyle Pavone, and that's been something that for now the last two seasons, if I recall, that you have integrated into your presence as far as a professional hockey player with the NWHL. Um, you know, and I think we, we had spoken before about, you know, why that was important for you to do, not just because Kyle is a family friend of yours, but also it sounded like you felt that there was uh, room for more awareness. Um, maybe if you could talk a little bit more about that and, and how where things stand and, and um, how you're hoping to continue to, to be involved. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard because there are so many people that need help, right? And there's so many issues um, that hit close to home for people and no one is more important than another. Um, but, you know, mental health has always been a big one for Anya and um, myself as well. I, I'm not, I guess, as vocal always about it. Um, but then when my when Kyle Pavone passed away, it um, just kind of became a good opportunity, I think, um, when his family started the foundation to get it out there and get it into an environment where you don't otherwise typically hear about it. Um, and now it's becoming more, I think, more common in professional sports. Um, you know, the, the NFL, the NHL had players this year who were open uh, about seeking treatment for substance abuse. Um, and it doesn't have to be hardcore drugs that we're talking about. I mean, there's people struggle with mental health and with substance abuse of all sorts all the time. Um, and it, but we don't, they're not always comfortable talking about it. And I think that the more that it comes up and the more we normalize it, um, normalize the conversation, the more comfortable people become. Um, and, you know, this year, my, every one of my teammates at one point, some of them all season, some sporadically, um, you know, bought a hat and wore it on the goal line with me at home game. Um, that's something that I don't think would have happened a couple of years ago because people, uh, I, I've, I've found at least in the younger teammates that, that they're more comfortable talking about um, things that are going on from a mental health standpoint with themselves, but also um, not necessarily more compassionate, but are just more eager to, to try and, and get the word out there and talk about it and support it or have experienced something similar themselves. And I don't, you know, I'm not that much older than all my teammates, but you know, there's a four or five year gap there with some of them. And I found this year, especially I found myself having, you know, conversation that similar to what you and I had at the all-star game a couple of years ago with my teammates on a regular basis, because they're comfortable talking about it. They know people who have been affected who are their age. Um, and it's unfortunate that, you know, people are, experiencing this but i think that the more we get people out talking about it hopefully the less we have to have the conversation so yeah thank you yeah thanks for sharing that and i also think what i found illuminating uh this time around is is that you know you do see a little bit of a of a generational um difference in in how topics you know these quote-unquote heavy topics are are discussed which i think I find really interesting as as we think of hockey culture in general. I think mm -hmm. uh, it can be a lot of topics or issues, um, you know, insert topic or issue, but that there has been this um, uh, kind of accepted almost uh, culture where where hockey is kind of you know you put your skates on, you, you hit the ice, you're you're a good teammate, and then you kind of just go about your day. It seems as though. Um, you feel that the the hockey community or maybe just the sports community in general is kind of opening that up. Um, what are some of the, the things that, that though can be challenging as we are seeing, uh, you know, this, this mix of generations and, and some are, are gung ho and, and for it and others are still trying to find their footing. 
Yeah, I think um, I think it's a couple of things. I think one, you know, sports are becoming more available across the board in college. And, you know, I had a phenomenal experience at Wisconsin where, you know, whether it was the women's hockey team, men's hockey team, football, whatever, like sports were a community. And in life and everything, when you're in a community, you experience different challenges and you learn to either, you know, accept and, and be okay with somebody or something and understand it or not. And more times than not, people within the sports community are willing to reach out and love each other and support each other. So you just learn, you kind of wrap your head around things quicker, whether you're a sports writer or you're actually, on, you know, you're involved in the sports team, whatever it might be. Um, and I think that those things trickle down. So you, we're seeing more, um, ex, I, I would say acceptance and just comfort to talk about uncomfortable things across the board. I mean, I was amazed at the number of conversations that I had this year with teammates about different things um, in, in a good way. And um, I think that part of it is just, you know, the younger generations have grown up seeing different things in media, on TV. They have access to those things quicker than maybe you or I would, um, you know, 10 years ago. So they're just catching on to things more quickly and they're just younger generations are deciding, you know, well, we don't really care about that and, and that's okay. And we're going to talk about it. Or like, this is a, like, just different things are a big deal to them, I guess, if I'm making sense. Um, yeah. But they're, um, I think making a, a shift socially that is good for our world. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. I think I see it in some of, the sports that I cover, whether it's um, obviously talking more explicitly about race and racism, or you know, even I've I've learned a lot of things. I'm I'm eternally grateful for Harrison Brown uh, as an example um, of someone who taught me that there are places that I can be better at being understanding and accepting and and making sure that uh, whether it's intentional or not, that I'm not causing harm in a community that, that I care about and, and, and uh, that I want to, to consider family. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's interesting to see. I think you're, you're onto something there also with just the accessibility aspect of that as well. Um, going to shift gears a little bit here, um, kind of related, but more on, on a lighter note. Um, I think that as someone who has followed the Riveters pretty closely, uh, not not as much this last season hurt my heart, but uh, you know, uh, but um, I think I've also seen growth in you. And we talked a little bit about some of that being, um, you know, just just being a little bit more comfortable after having that surgery. But I, I, I don't know, I just wanted to kind of recognize that honor that and ask the, the, the most pressing question of like, how much of that is you leveling up after uh, getting married? <laughs> maybe a little Taunt um no but i'm told to be nicer yeah <laughs> i'm teasing you a little bit on that i i have to get anya's thoughts on that but um no i i do want to go back just to um i mean you, you it seems like you you're having a lot of fun in the process and uh, i just want to honor that and and thank you for for being um someone that I've always enjoyed learning from, uh, everything from like the, the best of quotes. I mean, <laughs> you've given me gold over the years. You keep it real. I respect and appreciate that <laughs> to, you know, also opening up. I, I, it's been a lot of fun to get to know you. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I do jokes aside. I think that a credit goes to Anya for um, maybe taking a bullet. (laughs) (laughs) For um, I think that it humanized me to people a little bit more. And not that I was ever like on this untouchable pedestal, but just that I was more than you know the person that went out and picked fights on the ice, scored a goal here and there, and and went home. Right? There was there's a lot that goes on in between there, and. so I think that just my interactions with her on social media, I got more comfortable kind of not being alone in the spotlight, but having someone to share it with. Um, and so it made it more comfortable and, and easier for me to um, do those things with, with, with her support. Love to see it. Happy for you. But, you know, Brickner gave me a little bit. She said, oh, no, Packer, she's she's a good one. You know, when, <laughs> when she's down for you, that then you're in for life. So I, I always respect uh, folks that are loyal and uh, I hear I hear good things, Packer. <laughs> I've seen it myself. So want to give you some stick taps. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, that'll that'll do it for our original eight series. Again, thank you for for taking some time out. I'm I'm glad to hear that you and the family are well. And, uh, you know, now that you're more comfortable with the with the social meets, uh, we expect some good hashtag content coming from the Packer family. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to step up my game. I can't keep up with Anya, though. I do want it before I have one more thing I want to talk to you about. Yeah. So Anya on NWHL Open Ice, you know, she got uh, she got a little peer pressure to release that uh wedding dance video yeah. <laughs> she told a little story about that how, how'd you feel about it how are you feeling about that video being out there <laughs> uh i'll get over it i'm sure i'm sure someone else was storing it away for a rainy day so i'm glad she was the one to leak it there you go i thought it was beautiful you looked great what's i'm glad that uh what's most offensive I, is it took me 10 weeks to learn that dance Anya had it in about six minutes, but we ended up paying for 10 weeks of dance lessons because I, I got two left feet and one eye. I just couldn't figure it out. Oh, man. Well, I thought it came together beautifully, so job well done. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Packer, I'm going to let you go, but uh, thanks again, and we'll talk soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks. Once again, thank you, women's hockey fans, for listening to this final installment of the original eight series as part of the founding four podcast as an independently run women's hockey podcast we want to thank you for subscribing for listening to our episodes special stick taps to those who are a member of the patreon posse that's how this thing keeps going uh season after season so if you are a member of the patreon posse thank you Uh, for those who are part of patreon you saw my live video where i talked about the draft coming up Um, i broke down my thoughts about nwhl toronto expansion uh, and a lot more goodies i also got into some WNBA talk big week or a big month for the WNBA with the virtual draft. Uh, I hear there's another sport, I don't know, something about football, uh, that I was also doing a virtual draft. Three days of an NFL virtual draft. They couldn't even do all three rounds of the WNBA draft. They just started scrolling names at the bottom in the later rounds. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, I talk about all that kind of stuff over at Patreon. 
want to wrap this show by just saying thank you again to everyone who tunes in for everyone who has reached out uh for those again on patreon you know it's been a little bit of an up and down for me as i'm sure it is for many other people uh but i'm here to encourage you um to say that you are appreciated the work that you're doing uh the struggles that you're going through um hopefully this can be a space that we create in women's hockey uh, where we can feel supported i certainly have and have all of you listeners to thank please stay healthy um, stay happy focus on your peace of mind whatever that means to you and hopefully we'll be at a women's hockey rink sometime in the near future